Welcome to this CLIMB podcast on how to give difficult feedback. I'm Lynn Robbins. Today, we're fortunate to have Dr. Eileen Klein discussing her tips on how to give difficult feedback. Eileen is a professor of pediatrics in the Division of Emergency Medicine at the University of Washington School of Medicine and a local expert in the art of giving feedback to learners. Welcome, Eileen. Thank you. In your experience, what is the value of giving feedback? Great question. I think I'll start by saying when you're working clinically, and I work in the emergency department, you want trainees who are going to give great care to their patients. And if I give them feedback and they do a better job, it makes my job easier and it gives better care to the kids and to their families. So it makes the trainees happy because they're doing a better job. It makes me happy because I feel like I've made a difference. And then it creates better physicians that are going to take care of patients outside of the emergency department in the greater community. So is there a standard approach or script that you use to giving feedback? Feedback isn't something that just happens. It's something that you have to prepare for and you have to think about. So when you see something that you want to change, you have to think to yourself, what is it that I want to change in this person so that their behavior will be better? What are my goals? And if I know that ahead of time, then I can use a script. And the script that I use is something that was created here out of the University of Washington. It's called ADAPT, which means ask, discuss, ask, and then plan together. So I do that. I ask a question. I say, um, how do you think that it went when you were sewing that kid up? How did that feel to you? And I get their impression of how they did. I know what I saw that needs to be different, but I want to get their impression first. And remarkably, they often are thinking the same thing I am. But then we discuss it. We talk about it. So they, I ask them. They tell me what they're thinking. I tell them what I saw, what I observed. I ask how they want to change their behavior so that they can give me their insight without me telling them. But I always have an idea of what I want them to do in case they don't come up with it. And then the key part comes. That's the plan together part. That's the part where you say, okay, how are we going to make sure that this is better in the future? And if you don't follow up on that, if you don't go back and meet again or discuss it again, then I don't think the behavior is actually going to change. So I'm curious. um, It sounds like it could be sort of time-consuming if you ask them to reflect at the front end. Don't you just want to jump in there and tell them what you saw and what you want changed? Yeah, I would love to do that, but I'm not sure that would make a difference. I think people um, are more apt to make a change when they can really have an opportunity to think about it. And I promise you, I promise you, this doesn't take more than a couple of minutes even to do if it's something simple and more than about 15 minutes or so if it's something that's really difficult to talk about. So we're talking about giving difficult feedback. How does that impact the way that you might approach a learner? That's a great question, too, because um, if it's something difficult, I think you have to think about yourself first. How are you feeling about this? Did whatever the person did make you angry or upset? And you also have to have respect for the person that you're giving the feedback to. You don't want to do it in front of a large group of people. Um, You don't want to embarrass them. And you also want to make them open to the feedback. And if you come in heated with emotion, they're going to know that your intent is not to make them be better. Your intent is to blow off steam. So really start with intention. How do I feel? 
How can I make this person know that I really care about them and that I want them to change? That's really kind of where it all starts. Because if you have the right intention, then the person will be more open to that feedback, even if it's something super difficult. Well, that sounds like a really difficult thing to do. Can you remember your most challenging instance of giving feedback? Okay, I'll tell you that I thought it was going to be the most challenging, and it didn't turn out to be the most challenging. Interesting. I had a patient in the emergency department. I was working with a trainee. The child was very, very sick, and their job was to do assessment and tell me how the patient looked, and they weren't doing it right. And this was not a situation where you could make that type of a mistake, and I thought the person was at a level where they could handle this. So I was actually pretty upset afterwards. Um, I had to assign someone else to watch them to make sure that what they were saying was correct so that we could do the right thing for the child. I also thought that they were a little overconfident, and I didn't think they'd be very open to any feedback that I had. So I had to mold this over. I actually mold this over for about a week. And anything anyone has ever read about feedback says that it needs to be timely. And a week later is not timely. But it was timely in this case because I needed time to reflect on what happened and think about how I wanted to talk to this person. And so we went into a private room to sit down. I said, I want to talk with you about what happened last week. And before I could even say, what do you think about that? They looked at me and they said, I just blew it. I blew it. I didn't do the assessment right. I really feel like I have a lot to learn in this regard. And it completely floored me. And then we went through the rest of the ADAPT, right? That was sort of the ask. We discussed, we talked about what this person could do in the future, and we planned, made a follow-up plan for how to kind of evaluate kids in the future and how I could make sure that this person was doing a really good job. But the thing that really blew me away by this whole interaction was I hadn't done his evaluation yet. You know, feedback is not evaluation. Evaluation comes at the end of their rotation. And... I, before I went in to talk to this person, I thought, I'm just going to not give them a very good evaluation. But afterwards, their incredible insight into the situation actually caused me to write a completely different evaluation that I would have written before. So if I didn't make that effort, and believe me, <laughs> it took a lot of effort to come back and talk to this person because I could have just lost trust, lost faith in them, not tried not to work with them had someone else see the sicker patients. I could have done all of that. I could have just avoided the whole thing. But the fact that I talked to this person made a difference, I think, for both of us. So that's a great story. I often hear about the students who don't have insight. What do you do when you have a learner that doesn't have any insight? I think when you find someone who truly doesn't have insight, you're actually leaving the feedback realm just a little bit. If they have no insight into their behavior and they can't really take in the advice that you have to give, you have a couple of choices. You can be directive. That's not exactly feedback. That's kind of telling them what to do. And then people who really don't have any insight and continue to do behavior that is inappropriate, that just has to go up the chain of command to their, to the, you know, school mm -hmm. of medicine or wherever. So there are people who have less insight than others but I don't think I've ever run into a situation where someone has absolutely no insight into their own behavior. I think asking the question makes a big difference. Um, if you tell people what they need to be doing, or if you get 
angry at them for not doing the right thing, then that shows some of really your biases come in, that mm -hmm. they're doing this on purpose or in order to annoy me, which <laughs> I felt on numerous occasions, or you know, someone showing up late for work, um, that they're just rude and inappropriate when all you need to do is say, hey, I noticed you've come in late a few times, what's going on? And that could change the whole dynamic. So many of the professional is, uh, professionalism issues that we make assumptions about turn out not to be issues of professionalism. I think that that's true sometimes. Not, not all of the time. So professionalism and uh, disruptive behavior, those are, those are instances of behaviors that people really are uncomfortable addressing. Do you have any tips for addressing those types of things? Yes. The first thing I do when someone's being inappropriate is I, I just describe it. So I was on the phone with uh, a radiologist who was upset with me for ordering a specific test, which I thought the patient needed. And this person was yelling at me <laughs> over the phone. And I said, you're yelling at me. And this person said, no, I'm not. I'm from New York. And I said, that's no, ex I didn't say it. it was no excuse. I think she kind of figured it out. And so just stating the behavior. So I've run into that a few times. A couple of times I've come up to consultants where um, the, there has been a professional issue professionalism issue, and I've said, um, I don't think we're communicating well. Let's talk about what's going on. So I don't put it on them. I make it kind of bi-directional that both of us are just not really quite getting there. On the other hand, if I see a resident chewing gum in the emergency department, I don't uh, do the adapt conversation. I say, spit out your gum. So there are situations where you don't really need to have a conversation. Okay, great. So you've described a three-step method for giving feedback. Can you go over these steps with us? All right, I'll give a stab, take a stab at this. So I think beforehand is really the preparation um, that you need to do in your mind before you're going to have a conversation with somebody else. Doing feedback is really easy if it's right after a procedure, but when it has to do with behavior or professionalism, that's when you really need to sit down and think about it. So set yourself up for success by thinking a little bit, what are my goals? Avoiding bias and emotion is when you actually have to tell yourself it's about the behavior, it's not about the individual. Because we all have these biases, both conscious and unconscious, in everything that we do. So if you work really hard to at least decrease that or try to eliminate it totally, that would be super great. But really think about the behavior, it's not the individual. And they're not doing this to make you angry. And sometimes I just say that to myself. They didn't do that to make me upset. They didn't do that to make you upset. And then during, you know, again, we go into the, the whole giving it timely. And timely means it's the right time for both of you. So I was talking to someone once about feedback. And they said it was just after shift. It was like 3 o'clock in the morning. And their attending said, OK, we have to give feedback. And they said to their attending, I'm too tired. I don't want feedback now. And they said, no, I have to give you feedback. And it has to be now. That's not okay. So timely means it's the right time for the person who's giving the feedback and the right time for the person who's getting the feedback. So it has to be requested and permission has to be given. If you don't, you know, I always say, hey, I want to give you some for feedback. You know, can you come over here? And if they say, no, I'm too busy, they say, okay, well, let's do it later. 
You have to give it in an appropriate setting, which is always super tough if you're someone who works on the wards and you don't have a whole lot of time after rounds. When is an appropriate time to give that feedback? Can you step back while everyone's walking to the next room and talk to them about something? Yes, if you've discussed that this might be something that you'll do. Or can you do it in front of the whole team? Yes, if that's something you've discussed ahead of time that you might be doing. Or if it's something more difficult, then it has to be in a private setting. So that's just something to think about. And then owning it is a key part of it. If someone comes up to me and says, can you talk to your fellow because they did this and such, that would be really silly of me because I don't own it at all. I didn't observe it. I can't describe it. I can't really talk about it really well. So when this happens to me, I actually give it back to the other person. And I say, let me give you this tool. It's called ADAPT. And you can use this to help give feedback to this person. The times when I've had to be the person giving the feedback is when it's been someone kind of at a level hierarchically that didn't feel comfortable doing it, like a nurse or another staff member. And that's a little bit more difficult, but you can do it. And then the showing you care, that has to come from inside of you. You can't say, I care about you, if you're not feeling it. And you don't even have to say, I care about you. You just have to show it. That has to be part of your intention. And then again, getting to the point that's part of the preparations. And of course, after, that's what we talked about. You have to plan together and you really have to follow up. If you don't do it, then it will be hard for a behavior change to be sustained. Eileen, what's the one thing we should all do before we give feedback in a difficult situation? You have to think about um, what is your intention in giving this feedback. That's the one thing. Trying to take out the emotion. And remember that it's not about you. It's all about them. We hope you enjoyed this Klein podcast on how to give difficult feedback. Check out the other podcasts in this series for helpful tips on how to teach effectively and efficiently in busy clinical settings. 